0: Hey, folks, we've decided this week it's time to get back to basics. So you're going to see two episodes drop today that were previously played in the most listened to ones. This one in particular, episode 10, what are the financial terms, not only walks me through (laughs) how I was budgeting and how I should get back into budgeting through my three buckets of money. So listen back to that episode. But primarily in this one, we're going to deep dive into the financial terms you need to know before you even consider investing. I think this one is a wealth of knowledge and I hope you do too. Enjoy.
1: Hey team, it's your favorite finance queen, Syrah. This week we're talking all the basics of investing. By that I mean we're discussing all the things Megan doesn't necessarily get as it relates to buying and selling shares, ETFs, mutual funds, and even maybe a little bit about margin. Don't forget that my advice is geared towards Megan and may not be the best option for you. Anyways, this is a really good one. So let's go.
0: Welcome to Girls Just Want to Have Funds, the weekly podcast that deconstructs the intimidating world of finance. Hosted by Syra Rahman, VP of Finance at H.M. Bradley, and her partner in crime, Megan McShane, a manager at a Fortune 100 company, and supported by StockTwits. Girls Just Want to Have Funds will take on the important questions in personal finance that so many of us avoid, but also take on a glass of wine or two. Learn more, subscribe to the show, and join Syra and Megan on their no-shame adventure to financial freedom at girlsjustwanna.com. That hmm. Hi, Sai. How are you? Oh, mid-sip. Sorry, I was <laughs> mid-sip when you <laughs> asked me. I'm good, babe. How are you? I'm good. I started with a white wine when I sat down. Yeah. But then I switched right back to red. Well, you know, sometimes you don't want to change like a good thing. You just stick to what you know. The only thing is it's not Pinot. I got Ex-Umbria this time.
1: Ooh, you went with the Owen Rowe route.
0: I did. Thank you, Oregon.
1: (laughs) Ex-Umbris, I'm pretty sure. Isn't that one? That one's Washington.
0: Did I say Ex-Umbria? (laughs) Ex-Umbris.
1: We still need to figure out. I can't remember what the name is for when you replace words that you know the meaning of, but you use a different
0: word. Is that my, like, that's my thing. I do that's that. your
1: thing. <laughs> I do that
0: a lot. My sister yeah, but you does know what that there,
1: too. I, there's no shame in that. Like, I don't, at the end of the day, we all know what you're saying. It's just more a matter of like, did you use the right word?
0: <laughs> yeah, but like words matter, you know? <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, well, I'm excited to talk to you today because I have good financial updates. Ooh. Because it's the end of the month. I'm so excited. Okay, all right. Drum roll. Drum roll.
1: How did we do this month? 386. No way. You
0: stayed under? I stayed under. (laughs) Whoop, whoop. Cheers. That's amazing. (laughs) Congratulations. Is it because the month is short? No one cares. (laughs) But also, I rectified my overspend last month, which was $300, and looked at my bills and figured out how I could save $300 and put it into my savings account. That's that's actually incredible. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah.
1: So jumping into it a little bit, like what were the
0: things that you spent money on and were there moments where you were like, shit, I
1: can't buy that right now?
0: Yes. Okay. So I had been wearing (laughs) the same yoga pants for, I don't know, six months. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, it's time to get a new pair. I wear them every day. And so I got some from Beyond Yoga, and I loved them. They have like a snakeskin design on them with the Ooh, top. They're sad, really I haven't cute. seen them. Yeah, they're really cute. I'll, I'll show you. So I got those. Yep. And That was about two fifty. Okay. I went out to brunch that we talked about. I spent about thirty bucks. Good. Oh God! Now I got to do math in my head.
1: <laughs> I got my nails
0: done. Yeah. Which I'm so envious.
1: I have not had my nails done pretty much since the start of the pandemic. I think I've done my nails one other time.
0: It's so nice. Oh, nice. And it's spring colored, you know? I'm so jealous. It makes me really happy. Someday. So that made me happy. And then I bought a book on Amazon. And that was like basically all my fun money for the month. What was the book? I'm so curious. It's called Working Identity. Ooh. I know. Back to business stuff. Okay. All right. I read a right. fun book. And so now it's like back to, you know, figuring out other things.
1: Well, so proud of you for doing all of these things, keeping track of your spending, staying under budget. I mean, this is
0: this is the way. I'm so proud
1: of you. It feels good. Good. And it, did you take a look at your savings account? Did you go peek into Will and see how Will's doing?
0: Like, were you ecstatic when you saw that? Yeah, me and Will, like I might be obsessed with him. <laughs> I might be obsessed with Will. <laughs> I have my little nest egg bucket that we talked about and I'm yeah. filling that up, which feels good. good. I still have my other things that are kind of looming in the side. Sure. Because I'm really focused on my nest egg. Uh-huh. But I already earned interest, which is more interest than I earned in a year at Frank. Welcome to
1: hunting good savings accounts. I am so proud of you. Doesn't it feel good though? So that's a passive form of income. That's literally you just put some money there and it's collecting interest on your behalf. You did nothing but put money there. I and know. it gave you a bunch of money. How cool makes, is that?
0: No, it's amazing. I, yeah. That's why I'm obsessed with Will.
1: <laughs> so I'm so happy to hear that. Well, um, I feel like we talked about so many different things last week as well. We started digging into investing honestly had some of the coolest feedback from that episode and i'm curious now that you've had a week to digest everything we chatted about how you feel about what we discussed if there was something that was lingering out there that you were like mm, not so much i know i talked about perhaps you would take a look at an s1 on a recent ipo or something that's going to be ipoing in the near future like what are your feelings what are your thoughts so i did look at the peloton s1
0: Mm-hmm. how'd you feel totally different from the bumble s1 though yeah but i was like dry. <laughs> <That's right>, yeah <laughs> i know i was just like i'm curious because we talked about bumble and it just ipo'd and i was like peloton's an interesting company that everybody's talking about right now and so i pulled up the s1 i was like what is this first of all i don't even know what s1 is and the cover art was beautiful, and like their mission statement and manifesto, all the stuff I love. Yeah. And then it gets into like a legal document, and I was like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> "So did you? Did you just abandon ship?" I scrolled <laughs> through I some you. stuff. Uh-huh. I mean, it was interesting. I understand, you know, the reason to have that. Yeah, but it's a le- it is a legal document, but it's also right. a marketing document, right? Marketing was like. Maybe one percent, but okay. <laughs> I
1: I want. I wish you could compare it to the Bumble one. I should have told you to put them side by side because the Bumble one was like fifty percent
0: marketing and fifty okay. percent legalese. Maybe even more marketing than legalese. So mm, maybe yeah. I'll take a peek. See. Yeah, I mean, marketing is also comprised of sales and business numbers and ROI and all that jazz. So I get it. Yeah, it's all kind of a white paper at the end of the day. But so then I was like, I don't even know what S one stands for. And I was starting to think, I don't know, maybe we should dig in there. Lots of acronyms. So, okay,
1: yeah. So the government, the SEC, all the different governing bodies over financial entities, they have different documentation names for like pretty much every single Document that any type of company has to file. So, S1 is just the IPO documentation. It's the document that has to be filed in order to have an IPO. It's comprised of two different pieces. The first piece is the prospectus, which is usually like a letter to the CEO and a whole bunch of detail about the company. It's like more fluffy things or a letter from the CEO. I said two. Sorry. And then the second piece of it is more of the business financials, any securities they've traded, like a lot more detail in terms of the financial side gets included in part two. But the S1 is literally just that. It's them announcing that they're going into an IPO. Mm -hmm. There are lots of other documents that then get filed, like the 10K, the 10Q, an annual report, an earnings report, So, you'll hear a lot of people talk about earnings season. It's when all of the big companies talk about how they've been doing as a company. So, there's just all different types of reports. They all have, like, there's when you start investing in companies individually, you get something called a K1. I mean, they have all kinds of weird letters and numbers attached to them, and they're all just different types of legal documents, essentially. Yeah. So so I wouldn't get too hung up on what the S1 specifically stands for. It's more just like if you hear that such and such company's S1, they're talking about that company IPOing.
0: Huh. Wow, you just said a lot of stuff I don't know about. I feel like maybe we need to dig into some of those acronyms, my friend. Yeah, let's <laughs> you
1: we let's break it down from the very very basics. Yeah, should we take a break first? Yeah, let's take a break. Okay. simultaneously my instacart's going right now so i'm like checking to make sure that all the substitutions are being done correctly why doesn't nick do it nico really wants organic chicken breast for dinner so did you know that organic chicken breast is like sold out everywhere right now it's very obnoxious
0: oh that's why you stock up on it i have so much stock up on chicken breast like what do you do put in the it all in the freezer yeah doesn't it come out like weird no and then My mom's been doing this for years, by the way. And then you take it out, you put it in the sink, like in the morning and just let it defrost. And then by dinner, it's ready. Well, hang on, because I thought you can't have meat out
1: from the freezer for longer than like a few hours. Like it starts to grow bacteria. I thought that you have to put it in
0: like the fridge and then you can take it out. Okay. So I take it out of the freezer and I put it in the sink for probably two hours and then I move it to the fridge and then by time for dinner, it's ready to go. I feel like I need to Google the bacteria background on this because I don't know if that's safe. <laughs> I mean, I've been fine so far.
1: I know, but that, that's the thing. You could have high bacteria levels that you're just like safe from it now because you've been doing it your whole life. Yeah. I could be completely wrong for what it's worth. I don't normally cook frozen chicken.
0: Wait, so you get it fresh every time you cook it? Yeah. And you buy it and you know they don't freeze it before? I, that's the thing. I have no idea. Yeah.
1: They usually flash freeze. <laughs> you're it. like,
0: listen, Sigh, it's frozen. Yeah. Well, you're teaching me things. Taylor usually, he hates when I put things in the freezer too. What's his, what's his reasoning on it? See,
1: that's the thing. I'm not opposed to putting it in the freezer. I just have never thought to do it because I always thought there were like rules surrounding how to f- thaw things.
0: Oh, I don't know the rules. But- No, he just thinks it's less fresh. But I'm like, we don't know how it got to the store. We didn't like find the chicken and kill the chicken.
1: I feel like it has to literally say never frozen on it in order for it to be actually fresh, which I think as far as I've understood it, it only mattered with like fish. But I have no idea. This is a question for our followers. Guys, if you know this answer, (laughs) Megan and I need to know if it matters if your shit's frozen.
0: And also (laughs) specifically about shrimp.
1: <laughs> Listen, my shrimp tastes so freaking good. I sent you that photo. That stuff we literally have been eating pounds of it. It is so good. I'm gonna murder that shrimp good. like over the course of the next few weeks. Although, like I said, Nick wants chicken this week. He's so. like, we're done with shrimp. He doesn't like that we have to peel the shrimp. So that's the part that annoys him. Oh, because yeah, they're they're all shell on. Yeah. So. Yeah, I've been I've been teaching him the, the nuance to that. So let's dig into the the main part of this episode because I'm actually kind of excited to hear. So what are some of the terms that you heard during investing that you're curious about? Like what what are some of the
0: questions, Meg? Well, the first that come to mind are buy and sell. Okay, right? Yeah, should, no, absolutely. Right. To me, it makes sense. I can buy stocks and I can sell stocks, but I feel like there's more to unpack here. There's probably different ways that you can do it.
1: Yeah. So in terms of buying, there's lots of different stuff that you and I have talked about in general. And I think the big one is last week you asked me how you could even afford a share of something like Tesla that has such a high dollar amount per stock. And what I'll tell you is that there are lots of platforms now that let you do something called fractional share purchases. So you can buy stocks at a fraction rather than one entire stock. So you don't technically have to own 100% of one share. And those are places like Schwab, Fidelity. Those are kind of the more standard platforms. There are other places like M1, which they kind of give you a portfolio offering. SoFi is another big one that's really great for beginner investors. They let you select from, I think, just a handful. So there's not a ton of options in terms of being able to do fractional shares. But narrowing down your options might actually help you as someone that hasn't invested a ton yet. So that one's a good one to consider. And then there are the places like some of the platforms that I've already mentioned. Public actually does fractional shares as well. And that's that social platform that I told you about. The only thing that I'll say about public is that they're an app only. So you don't really get the web version, which I, you know, that's a love hate depending on who you are. Totally. Mm-hmm. So, but you can buy fractional shares. I don't know. In terms of selling, you should just be able to get rid of your stock. So that's all that selling means. So if you're holding one share of Etsy, you can sell right. your share of Etsy.
0: Sure. Yeah, is there like is there any gotchas on buying a percentage of a stock that people should know, or is it just buying a percentage of a stock? So this is where those asterisks
1: in finance come in. Yeah, I is. would think if I am permitting someone to purchase a fraction of a share instead of a full share, I'm probably charging more ah. to get that trade executed. I, to be frank, I have never purchased a slice. Of a share, but I think that it's very easy to do so. So at the end of the day, if there's a little bit of cost baked into your purchase, but you can only afford so much
0: of one share and you really like that company, are you going to take the hit on that cost? Probably. This is like when you're at the grocery store and you're looking at the labels and it's like, how much by the pound am I buying? You know what I mean? But you look at the top of it and you're like, but I'm going to save $5 if I buy this. But you're really getting like only like a quarter of a pound more or whatever. Right. Okay. So it's similar type of. Okay. That makes
1: sense. And at the end of the day, like that's what you need to think about, right? Like if you go to the grocery store, you're not asking the grocery store owner how much everything costs for them to bring it in. You're getting access to the food and that's the key piece of it. So from my perspective, if you really want a fractional share, you're going to the grocery store and you're buying your fractional share. The cost is
0: less relevant. Okay. But good things to keep in mind. Like you might be paying a little bit more. But yeah, sure. at least I can get like a percent of Tesla if I wanted it. Yes, absolutely. If
1: that's what you wanted to do, then then you can lean into it and you don't have to, you know, buy the
0: entire stock at $800 or whatever it's priced at, you know. So if there's fractional shares and I'd like, I think you're going to take a huge sip of wine when I say this. What's uh, buying on margin? Because I may or may not have dabbled in Robinhood a little bit. Yeah, take a big sip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because in my very much layman mind, it's fractional margin. Are those in the same... Where, where do those live together? Or are they totally opposites?
1: So fractional shares are something that you can do... Fractional shares are something that you can do separate entirely from the... The whole margin thing. So if you want to purchase fractional shares, if you want one tiny little snippet of any stock, you can have that tiny little snippet separately. You can do something called buying on margin. And buying on margin, which there are, I believe, movies about this. Buying on margin means that you are essentially borrowing money from your brokerage to be able to trade. So Megan McShane really wants to buy one share of Tesla, but Megan McShane only has $100 in her her brokerage account. So Robinhood or really any trade firm, I feel like Robinhood is the one that everyone uses as the example, but realistically, you can get a margin account anywhere. And I am misspeaking right now because there is a minimum and I believe the legal minimum is $2,000. So you have to have $2,000 in your margin account. And at that point, they'll give you a certain amount of money that's on them attached to an interest rate. So you're paying interest to have that margin house. So you're getting a loan from your oh, brokerage to be able to okay. buy this stock and they're charging you interest to be able to do it. Okay. Okay. And simultaneously, they're taking your whatever balances you have in your brokerage account. That is the collateral against what you're buying. So you can only buy so much, they'll only give you so much leverage to buy whatever stock you want to purchase based on how much you have inside of your brokerage account.
0: So how do I pay back that loan? Make
1: some gains, girl. Don't be losing money. That's for sure. Because, so here's the other thing. Yeah. Your losses and your gains get magnified when you're doing it on margin. What does that mean? It means that if you make a bunch of money, awesome, awesome, You're going to pay back what you owe. So you're essentially the principal that you borrowed plus the interest. Okay. But if you lose, you lose. And you might lose what's inside of your margin account. So you might lose your collateral that's being held there as
0: well. Oh, so they take collateral.
1: Okay. Well, they take cash collateral. So whatever dollar amount, that $2,000 or $5,000, whatever dollar amount you have sitting inside of your brokerage account, if you end up losing money on that, they can draw from your cash collateral to get
0: rid of your margin. What is the benefit? Like who should be buying on margin? Clearly not beginners. (sighs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay, first of all, that's a really great, that's a really, really great inference. I, for one, have actually never traded on margin. I don't like it. Mm. Okay. Conceptually to me to have to borrow money in order to invest, you shouldn't be doing that. I think that's risky. And I think that's, I think it's too risky in general. I know lots of people make money doing that. I also think that those people have a much higher risk tolerance than I do. If I'm a beginner investor and I'm just learning how to invest, the last thing I'm doing is asking my brokerage to lever me up so that I can make a bunch of quote unquote money because you want to know what? The market could go against you and then suddenly you're going to be knee deep in, in pain,
0: frankly, because you'll be at a loss. I hear you. But for those people that do yeah. have a high risk tolerance. Is it high risk, high reward when it comes to yeah. buying on margin? Oh, for sure. Because it's money
1: that you didn't have in your account that you're then using to buy you know, A, B, and C stock or option or whatever you decided on. So you're literally getting paid on money that you didn't have, right? So you're actually getting more back than you originally would have been able to buy to begin with. So that's what I'm saying. You would get more money than you would have originally been able to achieve, but if you lose if you lose that bet, right? So if it goes against you, you're going to lose principle. You're going to lose stuff that you weren't
0: planning to lose to begin with. Mm, so I would imagine your advice for me when I'm ready to invest, my nest egg is full, all that jazz. It would be, hey Megan, similar to put your Amex in the freezer. Like why don't you just look at buying a full stock or a fraction of a stock and let's save margins for another day.
1: Yeah, let's save margins for when you have this profitable, you know, $100,000 investment portfolio and you're like, "Sigh, I'm making 5 to 10% dividends. I'm making like all of this passive income because the market's doing well I'm like well diversified I have a bunch of different investments that are not just in equities in the stock market and I'm doing really great and I want to try the next thing that's when I would look at potentially doing margin and you know what girlfriend I've been doing this for more than 15 years at this point and I have no desire to do margin because there's just way more fun stuff than leveraging myself in a way that could potentially damage me permanently
0: Yeah, no, I understand that. Yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, can we take one step back for a second? Absolutely, because you were talking a lot about a lot of different platforms, and I imagine people that are listening to this are similar to me. Either they're ready to start investing or saving for potentially investing in the future. Yeah, when I go out to figure out what platform I want to like partner with, like, is there a certain criteria? Like, why would I look at Fidelity over Robinhood or, or whoever? or Charles Schwab?
1: Yeah, I think there are. So this is similar to when you were shopping for the right bank accounts, right? So you want to take a look at their fee schedule. You want to understand if they're going to charge you per transaction or if each trade is free. I think that's somewhat of a big one because if you're trying to trade a lot, which you shouldn't be at the end of the day, but if you're trying to trade a lot, it's going to cost you more. And then there's the other pieces of it, right? So there's the other fees that are tied in. Some places are cheaper to get ETFs, which is probably what I'd recommend for anyone starting and investing. And they probably have a wider array of ETFs to choose from. Like Vanguard has some of the cheapest and best ETFs you can purchase and then other places will be more friendly to a beginner. So some places will actually sort a portfolio for you like M1 mm. or Sofi versus other platforms that are probably a little bit more complex and will have a lot more terminology. When you go to click the buy button, you'll have like five different options. So you there are different ways you can buy stocks, right? There are a multitude of different strategies as a trader that you can utilize to purchase and I think if you want to take a more simplified route, there are some platforms. And you can you can essentially go through some of the screens to figure that out, which one you're the most comfortable with in terms of overall detail. But at the end of the day, it's very similar to when you were looking at a bank account, which for me, the key is make sure that everything you're clicking on makes sense and that it's easy for you to understand what they're telling you to do. So I think Perhaps this coming week, that's one of the things you can take a look at is all these different trade platforms and see which ones have weird verbiage and which ones make sense and which ones are easy to connect your bank
0: account to, which is the other big thing. Mm, Linking accounts. I know how to do that well now. (laughs) All right. I'm going to raise my hand and ask you a couple of questions because you said some acronyms I need help on. Sure. ETF. Yeah. So exchange traded fund. So... Mm. Those
1: are really easy and relatively cheap ways for you to have a diversified portfolio. They'll also give you dividends. So you'll make money off of a passive income. This is where we get back to the passive income. So if you select a bunch of them in different market niches, you'll on a regular cadence get a dividend from them. That'll just contribute to your bottom line. And you can choose if you want to reinvest your dividend or if you just like to take it in cash, keeping in mind that you're going to pay gains on it at the end of your tax year. So, But ETFs are the easiest way for you to not have to think about it. And you can just pick a bunch off the top of the list or just Google the ETFs that are doing really well right now and then add them to your portfolio without really
0: having to think about it. Cool. And should I think of a dividend the same way I think about interest on my savings account? it's like money I make on my money.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Got it. Yes. And when you say capital gains. You did it. Didn't I say capital gain the other day? You said capital say? gain
1: on, on Twitter and it was actually yeah, extremely, it was, but here's the thing. It's, <laughs> it, you can say a capital gain. I don't know when you'd say a capital gain, but, but it is capital gain, so it's a tax. Anytime you make money on something, the government charges you for making money.
0: Okay. So if I make a dividend on my Tesla stock because I'm YOLOing on Tesla in this imaginary world. Oh my
1: gosh. You used so many fancy terms just now. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Okay. All my dividends rolling in them. If I take them out, I sell some Tesla stock and I put it back into the market. I don't have to pay capital gains on that. If you
1: sell stock, you will pay capital gains if you made
0: money on that stock. It doesn't matter if I pull it out, even if I put it back in the market, I still pay. You're paying. Yes.
1: So every time. so And that's. I think that's something that's interesting to me about a lot of people that have been involved recently in the market. Super important to understand this. If you buy a stock and then you sell it in like, I believe it's less than a year, you're paying capital Mm. gains taxes on it, which I don't understand why you would want to take such a huge hit on your income. But like holding it for longer than a year, it lowers the tax rate. You're going to pay capital gains no matter what, but it's it's lower over time. And to be perfectly frank, in my opinion, it's kind of a silly, silly tax to an extent, but <laughs> it's a tax that you still pay because you made money on something. Flip side of the coin, if you lose money yeah. on a stock, it goes down a little bit. So if you lose a bunch of
0: money on a stock, it's you know not that bad of an idea to pull out. And does that tax happen right when you do it or is it something that comes up in April that you have to pay for at the end of the year?
1: Your capital gains would get filed in April with the rest of your
0: income. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so ETFs, got it. Wait, what does it stand for again? ETFs is fund. exchange traded fund. It means nothing. It means fund. Glorified fund that has a bunch of diversification to it. So for me, that sounds very similar to something my dad tells me to do, which is you should get a mutual fund. How are those different? Mutual fund versus ETF.
1: (laughs) Your dad and I might battle over this. So mutual funds are like, there's a bunch of different things about them. So mutual funds are usually actively managed. Both are extremely diversified. I'm trying to think. There's probably a lot more mutual funds in the world than there are ETFs currently. ETFs are a little bit newer than mutual funds are. But like I said, mutual funds are actively managed, meaning they have like a fund manager behind them that's picking everything that's going into them. They tend to be more expensive than an ETF. So an ETF being passively built and then invested in has a lower cost overall, so Perhaps Yeah, I guess I need to get back to you on that because I, I'm pretty sure mutual funds are just more expensive than ETFs. And it's because okay. they just are actively managed.
0: Well, yeah. They gotta pay for someone's salary if they're helping run it. Yeah, I exactly. would imagine. Yeah. And okay. I think
1: that's like the biggest difference between mutual funds and a typical a typical ETF. But both are okay. available to you. Like it's not like you can and
0: they're they're both like a diversifying your stock portfolio. So it's not just like YOLOing on Tesla. It's like Tesla and Peloton and Costco and blah, blah, blah.
1: Yeah. And I think one of these episodes, we should probably do a side-by-side comparison or even just like take a look at a few different mutual funds together because the data that you can get from a mutual fund is is interesting. It shows you all of the different companies they're invested in, why they're choosing those companies. And there's a bunch of different ratios that some people care quite a bit about relative to like how closely correlated it is to the market and which markets it's concentrated in there's different types of categories that you can select within the mutual fund world as well so all of those things are all of those things are significant to the mutual fund and some partially to the ETF world as well
0: is there anything else like that out there so you have ETFs and mutual funds that have similar foundational aspects are there anything any other options like in that realm to kind of help diversify someone's portfolio?
1: To be perfectly honest, I don't think there's anything that's going to be as diversified as that, which is hmm. why you'll hear most people tell you if you're just starting out, ETFs and mutual funds are the easiest way to go. Got it. And mutual funds are definitely like more, and I I hate using this word, but it's more of a boomer thing. And ETFs are more of a millennial thing. And I'm so
0: sorry, Papa Purcell. I know you know what I'm saying, though. It's similar to, I don't know if you've ever heard the story, but when the elevator was invented, people were scared to get in it. Did you ever know this? Yeah. And so they put an elevator operator inside of it to humanize the experience. So people would take the elevator and it's really just some guy pushing the button for people or the crank or whatever it was back then. Maybe that's what mutual funds are, for boomers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm like rapid fire trying to just remember different. Things. I'll be totally honest with you. I don't typically purchase mutual funds, so I just don't. Yeah. So you just buy like individual stocks. You're like, I love this company. I've done my research. I know who they are. I I, I believe in them. They're going places.
1: No, so I I do have a mixed bag of everything because I'm actually terrified of being concentrated in any one arena. So I have ETFs, I have a ton of equities, of course, because I love gambling. But then I also have a mixed basket of other things, like different things in terms of like I actually don't like rights, but I have one right which we can talk about someday. And then I have commodities. I have a bunch of different things within bonds. I have a bunch of different things that are tied to specific indexes. But I don't... You have
0: a bond? Like bonds or... Bond indexes. Okay. I don't even know what that is. But a bond I feel like is something like somebody's grandpa gave them. Yeah, I don't and actually hold like physical bonds.
1: Yeah, no, they're worth nothing today. <laughs> but I mean, let's be realistic. <laughs> Par value That's of a bond. That's what I so see. No, you, you, can't, you can't make money in the bond market at the current juncture. However, like, you know... A lot of people are talking about inflation and things that people are worried about in the future. And there are ways to circumvent that. And that's by having the kind of diversification that I have, which involves taking a look at things outside of equities and sitting in th- things outside
0: of cash. So, But do you feel that? Like, well, I mean, you're kind of an expert. I mean, no one's really an expert in the stock market. If they weren't an expert, they'd be billionaires. And Listen, if I was
1: great <laughs> at just doing stocks all the time, We wouldn't be sitting together working on a podcast. Like, I would just be trading all the time. I'm, ah, this is another form of passive income for me. I set it and forget it. I find something that I really like, I buy a little bit of it, and it sits in my
0: portfolio for the rest of my life. And then there's other people on the other end of the spectrum that trade all day. Yeah. But, you know, professional traders.
1: That's the thing. I used to do derivatives, I know how that stuff works. It's like, As an individual, it is so hard to be a long-term winner. You can be a short-term winner, sure. But to be a long-term winner, you need to be a Wells Fargo or a Bank of America or literally any other large bank. So I don't know. And that's my take on it. That's just from my personal experience. I'm sure that there are plenty of day traders these days that are just crushing it in this bull market and just know how to do things so well and they can win money every single way in every single direction. That's not my reality. So... I grew up in a recession. I didn't grow up in a bull market. Should we take a quick (laughs) break? Let's take a break. Yeah. All right. Let's add it up. If you're ready, we've talked about 10,000 different things this episode. So excited
0: to break it down a little bit. Yeah. Are you curious what I got out of it? This is what I got out of it. Okay. You know a lot more than I do about stocks. But also, I love the idea of going out and starting to date for investing platforms because that's probably the most intimidating part about this is I don't know where to start. Robinhood seems cool because I know people that are on it, but is it the right thing for me? I don't know. Is Fidelity because it's linked up to my 401k account? Possibly because it's nice to have all that stuff in one place. So for me, you know, a couple of things you you talked about, are they going to pay Like, do I have to pay them my good, hard-earned money to make a (laughs) transaction? Good question.
1: (laughs) That's where you're going to be looking for the asterisk, too, right? Like looking for fee schedules. Right, right,
0: right, right. Fee schedules, too. Yes. Is ETFs an option or mutual funds an option?
1: And different places will have different options for you. So that's something to pay attention to.
0: Okay. And then the only other question I have is, would dividends change depending on what platform you're on? I would imagine not. No. What they determine is your dividend is what's determined. Okay. And probably the last thing is how easily it links to my probably fun money or one of my bank accounts, depending on where I want to pull when I'm ready to invest that money from.
1: So something that I would just take a look at first is how easy it is. If I was in Megan's shoes and I was trying to pick out this platform, first things first, I would jump in to each platform, create log in. Don't connect your bank account. Just start messing around with the platform. How easy is it to use? Do I understand what they're saying to me? Does this make sense? And then the second thing that I would do after I've narrowed it down to two or three is see, okay, what bank
0: accounts can I link to? Does it let me link to Chad? I don't know. Chad barely lets me link to him. So.
1: I know you might be breaking up with Chad we can talk about that soon <laughs> we'll see yeah oh. frankly I think it might be easier for you to have your fun money as just like one of your buckets at like one of your other places but we can have that conversation when it's been a few more months and you've been using three banks at the same time
0: you know the weather's getting nicer here I'm like ready to ride a motorcycle so I'm not ready to break up with him <laughs> yet. But we should talk about it I love that that's so funny. we definitely should oh girlfriend Lots to unpack here, but I, I like the idea of going in uh setting up kind of a fake account and messing around with the UI. Because if I can't function around in it, then I'm probably not gonna use it or like it. And honestly, <laughs> I've been on so many different trading platforms and you end up every single person has a
1: different preference as to how they like to do it. Like I I'm just yeah. used to a certain way and that's the way that I want to keep trading. So if I don't like the UI, I'm not going to end up using it. And at the end of the day, you want it to be comprehensive and you want it to be comfortable because literally you're about to start lighting money on fire. And that's how you want to think about it. Like if I'm lighting money
0: on fire, where should I light it on fire? My rent. <laughs> no, that sounds good. That was a joke. Okay. it's <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a minute, girl. Uh, this has been fun. This is definitely one of those episodes I re-listened to and I think people will get a lot out of. Awesome. You, you gave a lot of info, but I have good marching orders. I feel good about this.
1: Cool. Well, should we get Sweet. back together next week, babes?
0: Let's get back together next week. Yeah. I'll report in. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us.
1: Head on over to girlsjustwanna.com where you can subscribe to the show, follow Megan and I on social, or even text us your important financial questions. And remember, there's no shame in asking anything. We'll see you next time on Girls Just Wanna Have Funds.